0: You are now tuned tuned in to the December December 26er podcast, podcast. where we encourage encourage you you to be extraordinary extraordinary on an ordinary ordinary day. day. What's up, 26er family? Welcome to another episode of the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delicia, and we are taking a pause on interviews this week, and I have invited our producer, DeMarcus back on the show. How are you?
1: I'm doing all right. I'm a little tired, but, you know, I'm here.
0: DeMarcus is talking with his eyes closed right now, so probably a bit more tired than a little.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I am literally rubbing my temples like I have a migraine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I am tired. I had a, a, a full weekend and I'm just thinking about everything that I need to do this week. Y'all pray for my strength in the Lord.
0: It's been a full weekend. It's been full days. It's been full weeks for a while. Which is why... Um, we decided to do this, this episode. Um, so we, we've been thinking about a segment uh, that that we can do with the two of us. We've done them in the past and and find that they're a huge hit. People love when Demarcus is on the show. Um, so we've given it a name. This is sort of the, the first time we're calling it something. Uh, but periodically we will drop these episodes uh, with the two of us. We're trying to figure out what the cadence will be maybe once a month. I don't know. You guys tell us what you think, but uh, it will be called, moving forward, Extraordinary Occurrences with Alicia and DeMarcus. We talked about this.
1: We did? I don't even remember (laughs) this conversation. I must have been delusionally tired because I do not recall any of this. Not only have we talked
0: about this, we've talked about it multiple times. This is actually, uh, to our listeners, this is a great like example of our relationship and the interactions that I have with DeMarcus. It's like things that I said never even happened.
1: (laughs) Well, I knew we were going to do a segment together. I know we talked about that part, but I didn't know we named it.
0: I have given you this name, like literally no less than five times.
1: Oh man, charge it to my my, my mind and not my heart. Again, y'all pray my strength in the Lord.
0: Are we keeping this in just like this? Yes. Okay. Are you okay with extraordinary occurrences? Yes, it's
1: perfectly fine.
0: Since you act like you have no recollection of I do not discussing know. that over and over. This proves that you don't listen to me most of the time. I do. I
1: do. It's just, it's been a lot going on this these past few months. Come on now. I've been wearing many hats, man. I'm a producer, videographer, audio engineer, booker, you know, on top of whatever else I got on. I'm trying to book you these dates. We got St. Louis. We got Augusta,
0: San Antonio. Okay, ike slash joe jackson
1: ike jackson in the flesh baby
0: (laughs) all right so um i think in the future these episodes will be us just talking about the interviews we've had you know most recently what we're into musings on what's going on in the world but this one Serves a primary purpose to talk about why we are both so, so tired. Um, If you follow us personally, um, where I've been paying attention, you may know that we had a pretty big coming out party, a big event last weekend uh, for the nonprofit that DeMarcus and I started, the House on Stephen Avenue Fund, aka the Hosa Fund for short. Um, And I guess seeing is believing because now that people saw what happened last weekend, folks are now jumping on the bandwagon who were not really checking for us a few weeks ago. So um, one of the questions that I I get often is like, I want to give back to the community I want to, you know, start a nonprofit. Like, how do I do that? And I was familiar with the process, of course, as an attorney. Uh, but now having walked through it and having had to raise money and build connections over this past, you know, 12 to 18 months, I have a, a better understanding and respect uh, for, for the process sure. because it is not easy. So um, so for this episode, we're talking philanthropy, um, sort of how we have felt in the last few weeks, especially in having to live out the whole be extraordinary on an ordinary day, and how we survived. Right. The process. So where do you want to start?
1: I think we should start with the inception of the Hosted Fund, how it actually came to be.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not even I don't even like quite recall the exact conversation that we had in great detail. But I I do know that giving back is something that was on both of our radars, I think, before the host of fund was even a thing. I think we both just have the personalities and the vision for our lives um, to want to give back. But we got to the point, I guess, about a year and a half ago where we were like, why not now? Right, and that was like after midnight. I don't know. It was super late.
1: It was very late. I, uh, you know, we were having one of the our infamous brainstorming sessions at post midnight. Um, and I don't know. It just kind of came from weirdly enough from joking around, uh, joking around about, um, you know, our hometown um, and the surrounding towns and uh, different things that occurred during our childhood. Um, and uh, talking about uh reverend jackson and his wife mrs jackson and going to you know vacation bible study and bible camp and those experiences as a kid and i can't remember who said it but one of us was like has anybody ever honored mr jackson and his wife for all the work uh he's done in the community and i'm like man we need to do a barbecue or something and uh what 18 months later turned into a whole full-fledged production.
0: Yeah, because we don't know how to be regular, unfortunately.
1: And that's the problem. That's why we're so tired is because Delisha and I gas each other up. It's like it starts off as one thing and it snowballs because everybody always comes in. We chime in like, you know what would be dope? If we got a band. (laughs) Like Forget a DJ at a cookout. If we had a whole gala and we had a band perform and it was black tie.
0: Yeah, and then it just snowballs from there. And then it was at some point, probably a week and a half before the gala when we looked at each other and said, Why are we doing this?
1: Yeah, I just have to I open my big mouth and say, "Let's get a band." Why did we book a band? It was that so many and staging and lighting and yes, professional sound.
0: So many moving parts. We could have just got a DJ and, and been some, done,
1: and been done. Somebody with the karaoke mic <laughs> <laughs> introduced the people. But you know, one band turned into three bands.
0: Literally, we had three different <laughs> bands. <laughs> okay, so let's take it back um, because you know one of the things that we love about our show is that it's where tactical information meets inspiration. Um, So probably forming the nonprofit itself, that was the easiest part out of all of this. Um, So what folks may not know is that the IRS now has, they now offer a streamlined process for creating a nonprofit. Um, So before, when you wanted to have a 501c3 organization, you had to fill out this really long, detailed, cumbersome application uh, to get it done. And that still exists if you anticipate um, meeting a certain threshold uh, in terms of your fundraising. It escapes me what that number is uh, at this point, but it's like, I think 75. Thousand or a hundred thousand, but don't quote me on that. But it's, it's something relatively low. Um, if you anticipate making less than that, uh, you know, fundraising less than that, so for people who are just getting started, don't have huge donors or benefactors, um, but just want to get something going, there is now a form called the 1023 Easy. Um, so that forum is a lot less detailed. It's not as many pages. Um, you basically just have to state your mission, who your offices are, uh, you know, provide some other basic information. And you can get an approval relatively easily. And what I mean by easily is having a lot less documentation to provide as, as support, but also um, getting a response a lot more quickly. So anyone who's done the long process to register a nonprofit with the full application will tell you that it can take You know, six months to years to get it done. Uh, But they try to get a response to you um, with the ten twenty three easy within a matter of weeks. So, I worked on that part. You know, we came up with a a name and the house on Stephen Avenue fund. Do you want to talk about where that came from?
1: So, um, first of all, kudos to Delicia. People are wondering how we got such a fast turnaround for forming that nonprofit because sometimes it takes people years, literally years, to get mm-hmm. things formed. But, you know, she had the legal know how. You know, who needs legal Zoom when you have Delicia in the room? <laughs> you know, dad joke for you, real quick. But shout out to her for getting that paperwork and everything pushed through in such a short period of time. Um, as far as the name, the House on Stephen Avenue Fund, um, Anybody that knows myself and Alicia personally knows that we care a lot about our deceased grandparents. Uh, we think a lot. They they had a huge impact on our lives. Um, and you know, early part of our our lives revolved around that house. Coming um, up in a single parent home, um, you know, uh, I for one was too small to leave school and head home so I had to the grandma's house every day um, you know there was no babysitters there was my grandfather my grandmother and my aunts and uncles so we were raised in a house with a lot of love it had a huge impact on the people that we were we were then and the people that we have grown to become now uh, we thought you know what better way to honor uh, their legacy and their spirit by, you know, founding this organization. Um, it would be one thing to name it after them, but I think it was a little bit more fitting that the idea of who they were and the spirit that they have, uh, they're giving back their their community mind to to name it uh, the house on Stephen Avenue.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the, the house itself was not only a place for us and our cousins as grandchildren and our, our aunts and uncles because everybody kind of circulated to and fro, Um, but also it was a safe haven for a lot of people. Extended family, you know, migrating north from the segregated south and trying to find a better life. And then in the later years, the 80s and 90s, serving as a place for friends of the family, you know, teenagers who couldn't get along with their parents at home and needed a place to go, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So the door was always open and whatever little Nana and Pop had, they, they freely gave uh, to other people and, you know, shared their portion, for lack of a better word, with others. So one of the things that I think inspired us to do this and to do it now is you know if they could do so much with so little you know how much can we could we accomplish with our education and our rolodex uh and our know-how and our and our access so we've taken this approach of we're going to lift as we climb um not that you know we're we're millionaires not yet that hasn't happened right. but we're going to take the resources that we have um and really try to to build this thing out and interestingly what happened is i got the letter um you know, approving us, it was either on Pop's birthday or like the next day. Like it was something that um, was just so uncanny that I was like, oh my God, you know, this is a sign, you know, we're going to do this. This is going to be amazing. Um, And it was amazing, but a lot more difficult than I think either of us could have anticipated.
1: And I think, um, you know, kind of circling back to the people that Nana and Pop were, the reason that we were able to persevere, uh, against all the, you know, the the tribulations uh, and the lows and the hangups is because of what we witnessed as children and the stories we heard. And that's why I always stress, I mean, I, I can never stress it enough. It's important to know your family's origin story. If your grandparents are still alive or you have great aunts and uncles, like sit with them and talk with them and learn how your family came to be. And I assure you, those stories will... Add to your foundation and make you more sure of yourself and what you're capable of. So, you know, knowing everything, not to get into their backstories. I mean, we made a whole video about that. And Plus, I don't want to ugly cry on this microphone. <laughs> but, you know, my grandmother being someone who was given up as a child, bounced around and was basically on her own at 13. And my grandfather being, you know, one of 20 kids raised in segregated South, you know, having to leave school early, working to feel like they did not have easy lives. Um, but they managed to build a life for each other and have eight beautiful children and lose two. But raise themselves and raise the generation after with grandkids and just make it work right. um, through all the ups and downs, the trials and tribulations. Um, you know, one thing my grandmother always would say is, JC, going to make a way. We're going to figure it out. And she always did. I don't know how. I don't know where the money would come from. I don't know how things would appear. But they always figured out a way to make things happen. And I think, um, again, you know, to piggyback off what Delisha said, if they could do so much with such, you know, small resources, smaller network, you know, limited education, we just felt like ooh, the world was our oyster. There's nothing that we can't do because we have so much more uh, than what they had when they were our ages.
0: Yeah. So, like, we we sort of, in that spirit, got that approval and hit the ground running um, about what it is that we wanted to do. Um, so, immediately, I think we, we both have a few contacts within the philanthropic space or the corporate, you know, philanthropic space. And we were like, all right, let's figure out how to get this money and started sending out messages and setting up meetings to really figure out how to get sponsorship and large-scale contributions for this gala and for what we're trying to do now that the gala is over, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, And then I started looking at venues, went and, you know, found a venue near our hometown and put the money up to reserve the space with no idea how we were going to make it work. Literally wrote that check. It was just like, well... (laughs)
1: I was just there giving morals. I was like, you know, if it don't work out, you know, you could always come back to me with Georgia. We can yeah, to Georgia. We can change your name and bounce.
0: So, um, so yeah, we did that. So, what's interesting about this story is we cast a very wide net when we first a got very started. Wide net. So, like everybody we knew who had we felt had access or knowledge of corporate contributions. Or like how to get to the money? We contacted, and the response that we got across the board from people was like, "Oh, that's all you're trying to raise, right? That's a drop in the bucket." You know, I I can at least get you fifteen thousand. I can at least get you what? five, man, five. It ain't nothing. It's one nothing phone call, gosh. um, one phone call, and you know you'll have that money. Let's not bury the lead here. Outside of personal resources that we put in. We raised the money to pull this gala off in increments of what? $100, $200, yes.
1: $50, $25. Literally. At a
0: time. The majority of which were under $150. Right. I, I can, right now, if I think about it, I can count the number of donations that we got that were $150 or higher. I literally know each person that did that because the majority of them were um, in, in smaller increments. So all that talk. The people thought, you know, what they thought they could get us um, just didn't happen. And I'm not even blaming them. I I think Things things happen. There are a lot of personal situations that came up. I think people also were not just not clear on some of the bureaucracy and the red tape that goes into getting money when you're a brand new organization. Little known fact that I just want to give to people who are thinking about doing this. The irony of all of this is that when you're a new org, you probably need the money the most. Um, out of all the orgs that ask for corporate contributions, but many, many organizations will not write a check to you because you're new.
1: You need a track record. You
0: need a track record. And it's not just a track record of what you were able to raise. M- many of them want to see an operating budget in the six figures. So not only are you raising the money, but what it costs to sustain your organization, you know, that taking a hundred thousand dollars or more per year to do, um, so as we got into this process and we were using our connections at various organizations to put in applications for money, um, the responses that that I was getting, was bas- they were basically like, yeah, come back in a year. Like after you've done something, after you have audited financials, et cetera. Okay, fine, right? But I thought that we had enough personal. So I was like, okay, so that corporate r- route is not really working. right?" But we have enough personal connections where somebody can make a phone call,
1: Right. And just make something, push something through, you know, mm-hmm. you know I'm, you know, I'm, I'm no Diddy by any means. a pray to be one day power broker. But, you know, I know a few people. Right. And I've been involved in projects in the past or people I know directly can, you know, procure, you know, $1,000 here, $2,000, $3,000 here, which sounds like a lot of money. But when you're dealing with nonprofits, it's chump change. Mm-hmm. It's literally tax write offs for companies. But you know, when that did not happen, I was like, Whoa.
0: Right. And here's the crazy part. So early in this process, you know, we were we made a conscious decision. Not to do this in New York because we're like, you know, there are people serving the community in New York on every corner, ton of organizations. We know a few ourselves. It was really important to us to serve the very community that nurtured us growing up. So we're like, all right, you know, it's not like it's as much popping back home. There are less, for lack of a better word, opportunities To give so people are not spread as thin. Donors are not spread as thin as they would be, let's say, in Manhattan and getting calls every day for money.
1: Everybody has a cause in Manhattan. Right. Save the dog, save the whale, save the trees.
0: Everybody. Everyone. You can't walk out of your office building without somebody Somebody trying to get you to donate.
1: Invest in a clipboard. Can I talk to you for a second? Exactly. Hey bro, how's it going? How's it going? There's only Uh. one state in America that ends with uh that has the letters W and K in it. Do you know the answer? (laughs) And you'd be really sitting there like, oh Uh, Nebraska? No, it's New York, but do you want to talk about saving the seals? (laughs) Oh, you got me.
0: (laughs) Right, right. So we're like, okay, you know, let's go back home. Um, So one of the the benefits that we had was we, we knew Some philanthropists in the area who are really well known, have their own nonprofit, but also have for profit business that is incredibly popular um, and profitable. So I met with one half of that couple, the wife, and she was like, anything you need, like, we'll give you the cosign, what have you. So she personally sent emails to well-known donors in the area, well-known businesses um, or individuals that give money and give money to their cause every single year. I mean, literally gave us the alley oop. You know, put their name on it and, and saying this is a cause that you know we're getting behind, and we hope you want to do the, you want to do the same with the expectation that on the strength of their relationship, that people would at least respond and. We got a couple of responses, all right.
1: <laughs> yeah, good luck. Uh, best of luck with that, you know. Exactly. <laughs>
0: um. So one of the things that DeMarcus and I, we talked about really early was like, all right, so if we, we're casting this net and we have um, these various lanes that we're in. One of these things has to work out. Right. And none of them did. None of them. <laughs> Nathan. Like, literally, none Z- of them.
1: Zero, uh, zilch.
0: Right. So...
1: <laughs> Sarah...
0: People who, you know, had all these connections who were like, listen, I can get you $10,000. Don't worry about it. Literally were panicking like two weeks in advance. You know, I, I had one person who sat on this. Our committee was quite frankly supposed to be the finance chair who works in finance. She literally said to me, I thought people would just give because I was telling them to. And it it just didn't work out. And on top of that, you know, our our materials, thanks to DeMarcus here were official. Right. Like, none of it was rinky-ding, none of it was janky. I mean, people would look at the sponsorship package and be like, oh my God, like, this is legit, but still not cut the check. So, you know, fast forward, now on the strength of our word, in our relationships, we had this venue booked. We had a full band. We had full audio visual with lighting and sound, stage. a stage, you know, all this stuff. There's people that had to be paid. Now, granted, none of them were at market, right. but needed to be paid nonetheless. Now we worked out some deals on a couple of things. Right. Um, so we didn't pay three bands, even though, you know, we had them, but, but it was still money that, that had to be raised. And at, Okay, so we the room sat one seventy five, right? Right. I think we were what, like three weeks out and we sold what thirty
1: three tickets. Thirty three tickets. Thirty three (laughs) tickets. Imagine you have a budget, right? You have three bands booked, you have staging which is staging, it, it may sound like a little bit, but anytime staging is involved, you know, to fit a band of what, maybe 10, six, people. ten people, um, that's a pretty big stage.
0: 10 people and a podium and, you know, for awards, for walk awards, on, walk, walk off. off yeah. well,
1: that rental fee is going to have a comment. In it.
0: it did, yes. <laughs>
1: right, It's going to have a comment. It. So, you know, opening up, looking at the, the back end of your, your platform as you sell tickets on and seeing <laughs> the number 33 is just... I don't know. It just, it kind of does
0: something to you. So I knew we were in trouble because, like, through this whole process, because I'm a little bit more type A out of the two of us. Shocking, I know. I was freaking out early, okay? <laughs> Ooh, shots,
1: gunshots. <laughs> <laughs> Felt that one. Yo, it's <laughs> just crazy. <laughs> type A. Ooh, you see that? It's a bleeding. <laughs>
0: So earlier in the process, like I saw, I was freaking out. I was like, okay, maybe it was because my name was on the contract. I don't know. But I felt the anxiety like creeping up early where I was just like, "Okay, these corporate sponsors aren't coming through. You know, people who committed to raise, you know, five to fifteen thousand dollars are not coming through. We are beating our own networks over the head, you know, trying to make this happen. And at this point, you know, we six weeks out, like what is going on here? And the whole time you were just like, it's going to work out, man. It's going to be all right. right."
1: I know my people in the sense that the, the one thing that I was that I was thinking about, um, because how we had worked the budget out and how we discussed it, that, you know, ticket sales would cover a lot. So the price point was a pretty good price point. For those who don't know that didn't see any marketing, um, we the price point was one hundred dollars a ticket, yeah. but we had five hour open bar. So we had a cocktail hour. We had a band perform during the cocktail hour as entertainment, uh, award ceremony, dinner and uh Motor City Review, which is a, a, a Motown-based band do performance. They perform for, what, two hours? Yep. Which is a pretty good price point. So I'm like, you know, for the the area that we are in, the, there's not really too many events like this at this price point. So the way it worked out, it would cover a lot of the budget. So I just I, I just was always figuring, like, I know my people. I've worked in events like this. They go, There's going to be a mad dash at the last minute. To purchase a bunch of tickets, but I ain't gonna lie, I was kind of like Roddy Dangerfield about two weeks out. Exactly, I was, I was pulling my neck like, whoa.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and this is my point. So the whole time, Demarcus was all calm, like, yeah, the, you know, it's gonna be fine. Don't worry about it. It'll be all right. And then we got about two weeks at, out, and I was like, so how you feeling? You were like, nervous. <laughs> it's like cold off of Martin. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I was like, okay, we might be in trouble here. And it was some rough, rough days. Like, it was just, it was like a comedy of errors, right? So people who, you know, were committed to help us, helping us get this off the ground, personal things came up. I mean, people suffered sudden major losses in their, their their lives. So that happened. I had a whole crew of people that I know that I'm really close to from Philadelphia and a wedding was scheduled, it was moved to the same day that the gala was. So they were trying to figure out if they could make it. It was just like everything that could happen. All of the insurance policies, for lack of a better word, that we thought we had, just things were going crazy. So we got to the two week mark and it was like, what are we going to do? Like, if this doesn't work, what is the plan here?
1: Everything went haywire. I had a car accident.
0: Yes. So that's the thing that we have not discussed. You haven't discussed publicly at all. I got a car accident. <laughs> I got a car accident. <laughs> Demarcus got into a car accident. We can laugh about it now. But I remember when you called me and you were like, first you were just calm, like flatly. You were like, I just got into a car accident. And then when you called me back, you were like, it's just all bad. Everything is bad. Right. It's just all bad. And after that, that happened, I think I really got to a point where I was like, you know what? Everything that we stand for, this whole be extraordinary on an ordinary day, everything that this is built on, you know, our grandparents and their faith and, you know, making things happen, making something out of nothing. This is just a test of our faith. Right. Like this, we are literally walking out the things that we say we believe and the message that we put out into the world every single week and that is persevering and taking consistent action in the face of face of obstacles and when it all shakes out and it all is all said and done we're going to have a story to tell right i think
1: one of the main things is always um it's very cliche but focus on the here and now um the future does not exist you have to prepare for the future but focus on the task that you can handle for the day because a lot of times we Think about the big picture. And I I swear to you, if you focus on the big picture too much, you will have an anxiety attack and keel over and die, or find yourself in a bed not wanting to move all day because the pressure of everything that you need to accomplish will, can be too much to bear for some people.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, what what I ended up doing um, is I grabbed a notebook, a clean notebook. It was like I needed a clean slate. So I tossed all the plans that we had, you know, all the schedules, all that stuff. And I just grabbed a blank notebook. And every day I would write out like what the plan was for that day. And every day I would write out the accounting. So how much money we we had brought in that day and how much money we needed to, to raise on top of it. And I would also add... list of people to contact. So friends, friends of friends, you know, colleagues or people who said they were down if for nothing else to buy a ticket or to make a donation and just, you know, reaching out to people consistently every day. And one of the the commitments that DeMarcus and I made was if nothing else, the aesthetic and the production is going to be top notch. So we're like, those are the things that we can control. So if, if nothing else pans out, People, you know, the quality of the event is gonna be there, whether the room is full or not.
1: Right. We said whether, and you know, it's sort of like a lot of the biographies and documentaries. Um, that we watch and enjoy like famous musicians and all the musicians that we revere the the common thread that all of them is they p- perform in front of whether it be a million people or five people they give the same level of performance and that's the thing This the exact thing um, that Alicia alluded to no, regardless of who showed up whether it was 175 people or 7.5 people being seven people and a comfort dog that we were going to have a phenomenal show and the production value was going to be
0: And a therapy dog is quite possible, even though we didn't have one, but we did invite the Blind Citizens Association in honor of our grandfather. So uh, a comfort dog is, uh, or a C&I dog, dog was a possibility. was a
1: possibility.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So fast forward, I mean, we took it literally day by day, and one of the things, the elements that I think was different, you know, for us as opposed to some other events, is we did not only did we do videos on each of our um, honorees where we, you know, went out and got congratulatory messages and interviewed people um, who support them and care about them but we also did a docu-short on our grandparents as well. So, and we didn't outsource any of that. Right. Um, so in addition to planning and raising the money and dealing with logistics uh, with the help of a, of a couple of people, um, we also did those videos and, you know, went out and shot on location. DeMarcus taking the, the filming and editing uh, roles and me just basically serving as producer and stage director. Um and with the help of our cousin on some of those family interviews as well. Shout uh, out, Kevin. Shout out to Kevin Osborne II, a.k.a. Michael. Big Mike. Um, big And Mike. we just were, were like, okay, let's do that part. Let's blow people. We've got these, this big uh, AV set up now. Might as well make use of it. And then this is where my uh, lawyering skills came in as well. I started to wheel and deal and create contingency plans in case the money wasn't there. Um. <laughs> day of the event, uh, working with our vendors to figure out. Now, thankfully, that was not, it ended up not being necessary. Uh, that's the, the end of this story. But making sure that we were covered if things did not pan out the way that we wanted them to and using our goodwill um, and and all that great stuff to to make sure we had a plan. So week before, I think we were at like maybe, what, 50 tickets? right. In a room that seats 175, if packed. So we were still like way below um, where we needed to be. So one of the things, if you guys have ever done anything like this, you know that you have to give your venue a a minimum headcount. And then contractually, that's what you're obligated to pay. Whether you exceed it or not, that's dealt with later. But generally, seven to 10 days before the events, you've got to cut a check to cover that minimum, con, you know, contractual obligation. So somehow by the skin of our teeth, we met the contractual obligation. Right. To this very moment, I i don't even know. I mean, I think it was just the people who couldn't come making donations.
1: No, I know what it, w- it was. It was us shaking people down. Um, and I feel like um, it's a life lesson in anything. If you want something, if you're truly passionate about something, you want to accomplish something, people are not going to find you. You have to reach out to them. It doesn't matter who you are, what your reputation is, who you are. People are not just going to act. Mm-hmm. You have to have a strategic plan and you have to take action every day. Your waking moments, free moments to send people DMs, to send them text messages, to make call- phone calls, to, to to FaceTime people. Because people will promise and say what they're going to do till they blue in the face, but until they actually do it, it, it hasn't happened. So you have to remind them. And I think you, you, you know, you need to highlight, you know, what we both did, which is essentially just shaking people down. Forgive me to my loved ones and my friends out there that I was constantly blowing your phones up with phone calls and emails and text messages. But that's what it took to reach that deadline.
0: And it's really just human nature. Right. Like, we all do it. I've done it. Where someone has reached out to me and said, hey, can you, you know, can you donate to this cause? And...
1: Which reminds me, I need to donate to a cause right
0: now. Right. And <laughs> then you're like, oh, yeah. So, you know, I had, I, you know, one of my mentees, she's like my play niece, Um, I needed to buy an ad for cotillion, her cotillion, and I told her, you know, months ago that I would do it. And I looked up and the deadline was like two days away. So it's human nature. I don't think our experience is any different than anybody else's. I think what we didn't anticipate or or plan for is the time it would take right. to keep beating people over the head, you know, asking them to make a, a small donation. So the, the time suck there just like to get that done um, in time for our first deadline. Now, you know, keep in mind that this is going on while a DeMarcus has had a car accident.
1: Right. And I'm in school.
0: And he's in school. And he had a final project, you know, a final project due right. during this. So that's going on. Um B, I'm still lawyering. <laughs> so uh day job in full effect. And not only that, I was in this process when we started this, I didn't realize I was gonna be playing two roles. So I went through transition where I was doing basically in the last quarter, doing the job of three people. Um uh, I'm sorry, no, two people and training somebody. So essentially three, three roles. Um so so doing that. Uh, and then also, like, wearing many hats with this, because even though we had, like, a soft committee, a lot of this ended up falling on us. Right. Um, and shout out to the, the folks who really rallied for us um, in this process, Ajua, Fernica. Uh, you know, and our, our family, of course, our our beautiful mother um, and, and our aunts and everybody who kind of jumped jumped in and, and started doing a lot before a while there. We were like, okay.
1: <laughs> two-man army. Right, right.
0: two-man army with, you know, my friend Oj taking on some of the venue stuff and that piece of the planning um, as well. And then my friend Fernica taking care of, reaching out to a lot of community partners, filling out their custom applications for us. But like in terms of... You know, silent auction items, trying to find donors, you know, those phone calls, those k- constant follow-ups, Alpha and Omega, the right. beginning and the end. Uh, it you was know.
1: Me, me and Delicia. It was old school, just like back in the day when we was playing Sega back in Red Bank. Sonic and Tails. <laughs> 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 trying to duck Ro- Dr. Robotnik, which Dr. Robotnik meaning that big old bill.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, because I'm like, okay. You know, and it got to the point where I was like, if we don't figure this out. Who's paying this?
1: I got student loan debt, so <laughs> it wasn't going to be me. <laughs>
0: okay. Long story short, my name was on all the contracts. So it was going to fall on me, you know, right. of course.
1: And, you know, rightfully so. Um, I wish my name could have been on the contract, but <laughs> me and Delisha don't make the same money. So, you know, I'm not able to, to foot those bills, but I was supportive in spirit in there, <laughs> you know.
0: So, yeah. um, And and one of the things, if people know me personally, I hate owing people. Um, and I value my good name and my family's name more than anything. So I wasn't going to let us be known as the people who dropped the ball or didn't meet our obligations, but it it was a little bit dicey, um, there. I mean, it got to the point where I was like, I'm about to pay for a wedding without the groom. And, you know, truth be told, I might be an attorney, but that money wasn't just lying around. Like (laughs) that that was going to take some work, uh, and some maneuvering, um, So anyway, it got to the point where we were like, okay. at the end of the day, when this is all said and done, one thing we will be able to say no matter what is that we did everything we could. And that's the approach that we took every day. We just tried to give it 110 percent. And one of the things that uh, one of the pieces of advice that we got in this process, if you've been to any of these events, you know that the program usually has ads, full page ads, quarter page ads, et cetera. One of the pieces of advice that we got from someone who does these events is that we should not do ads our first year because it is a lot of work and for very little return, given the cost of printing. Um So out of all the advice that we got, that was the piece of advice that we just ignored.
1: I was firmly against that piece of advice. And I I know what she was probably thinking because it takes a lot to put together a program. Mm -hmm. You have to have someone design it. Um... Production costs. I mean, if you have an event, it's 175 people in the room. 175 people need programs and you need a few extras just in case there's some errors. People want to take things home. You need doubles. But from my experience, we're working in events in the past. Journals for galas are a major source of revenue.
0: Right. So essentially, I had gone to a gala, um, an attorney, the legal thing, like a, a couple of months ago. And I noticed that they only had three programs on every table. And I was talking to someone else there and they were like, yeah, digital is the way to go. So we came up with an idea. Um, I you know, had done some research for the Flyers before we started this and knew that there was an inexpensive, very quick company that printed this, this stuff for a fraction. And when I say a fraction, I mean like 25 percent or 20 percent of what you would normally pay um, for this and their turnaround time. Was like you. It's like you press send on the order and it's at your house next hour. So we did the math and realized we can't really lose here. Like if we, you know, if we do the ad piece, we won't come out in the hole as long as we, you know, get get the the order in in time to get them. And also, why don't we, you know, just print a hundred programs flat? And all the VIP tables will have them all. But we ended up, I bought name badge cards and printed, you know, a text code on it to be able to get a digital copy of the journal.
1: Because at the end of these events, most people don't take these these programs with them. They go into trash and that's literally money wasted. So everyone's going to be on in their phones anyway. People are going to be on IG. They're going to be on Snapchat, Facebook Live. Why not follow along like how you would follow along with anything else with the digital journal?
0: Yeah, and I mean, honestly, even with only the 100, people left them on the table still. So we cut costs where we could. We worked out some deals with our vendors uh, just in case the money wasn't there, um, that we had a little bit of runway. And every day we just made phone calls. Just made phone calls, texted people, you know, DM'd all that great stuff. Then our family got involved and you know our, our mom was doing the same and our and you know, our aunts and just really trying to trying to make it happen. Um, and in those last seven days Every day, the donations were coming in, the tickets were being sold, you know, friends who don't live here um, or close by were donating tickets for other people to come. And things just picked up. The ads started to sell um, as well, even though it was after the deadline that we gave people. Right. We sold a couple of full tables. um, And I just remember going, we went from, no lie, it was like one day somebody asked me what the deficit was and it was $12,900. And like, I looked up the numbers again and it was before we even sold off the ticket. The deficit was less than 3000 in a matter of days. Won't he do it? And basically, you know, I looked at DeMarcus and was like, we might actually make this happen. We we might actually do this and end up in the, bl- in the black and actually raise some money, which is why we had planned to do this anyway. Um, and that's what ended up happening. Now those last few days, I think, I got two hours sleep in three days. You got one. Yep. Um, It took a lot because we sold all the ads, but most people couldn't design their own ad. So, to Marcus, you had to design... Everyone's ad. Everyone's ad. In addition to the program, we're... Procuring pictures. Yes, getting pictures from people... Logos in high definition, which some people just don't understand. It was money coming in from all over the place our personal cash apps, Venmo, um, like all carrier pigeons. <laughs> like literally checks in the mail. It was just, I had
1: people pay me in Bitcoin, they <laughs> was trying to pay me in Infamil, <laughs> just similar, like all kinds of stuff. I don't know what am I supposed to do with this?
0: <laughs> like, it was just Y'all crazy.
1: Take tide detergent, get this $30 worth of time. <laughs>
0: Like it's like, what is happening right now? Like, but it literally it got to the point where it was just absurd. I mean, um, and in the middle of all of this, editing videos. Yes. So editing, you know, the docu short on our, our, our grandparents and, um, you know, the videos that we had on each of our honorees and trying to figure out table assignments, people still asking us for donated tickets. Um, I can't afford to come, but can somebody pay for me to come? And I just remember in those last two days, I, li- I couldn't get anything done without my phone going off. It was like people were calling or texting every three minutes. I couldn't do anything without my phone ringing Um, and then you moved in for like the last four or five days
1: yeah I was just here because people do not follow deadlines so that program was held up Mm -hmm. and we spent about a day and a half reviewing and going over that program and um, design is one thing but typing is a whole nother thing when you're running maybe on an hour or two hours of sleep because we did not sleep a whole lot that whole last week. So it's a whole nother thing when you think something is finished and you get an email and you have to add, add, you know, add an advertisement or add a whole new section, add a picture, and it throws off.
0: It throws off the type setting, The
1: type setting, and layout. It's just a lot. And then you think you're finished and then, oh, there's a typo here. This is misplaced. So that was just tedious.
0: Right. And I mean, I can remember that last day proofreading stuff and I literally fell asleep at my computer screen like at my desk just eyes just closed um but the long and short of it is we pulled it off you know we ended up at capacity and we didn't get to enjoy it that much of the event because we were just running around like maniacs right I missed the whole cocktail hour <laughs> right um we were putting putting out fires there were some tense conversations that happened <sighs> In the last 48 hours, real tense, people's voice, not to each other, but people's voices were raising.
1: Listen, man, that's the reason why I'm only on this mic once in a (laughs) few months. You know,
0: I am the silent partner for a reason. It got crazy. It it really did. But um, then we had last minute production changes that just (laughs) threw everything off. Right. Um, But at the end of the day, people were blown away.
1: People were blown away. They weren't expecting that. Uh, And I think uh, that the actual night of the event made all 18 months of the work worth it. Um, Being able to honor Reverend Porter uh, and Miss Tal Holmes, and uh, most importantly, the Jacksons, uh, Reverend Elmer Jackson and Mrs. Doris Jackson, who invested so much into both of our lives and have never truly, I feel, gotten their formal recognition from the community that they serve out of the kindness of their hearts for well over 30 years. It just made everything worth it.
0: Definitely.
1: I, you know, that last, those last two days, I only got an hour of sleep. And I was just so high off the adrenaline of the event that I forgot that I was sleepy.
0: Right. I mean, I think it didn't like didn't hit me until I left. So we, we got to the venue, we were setting things up and then I left to go shower like at the hotel and I came back and I saw the lights and the stage and the podium and how the room started to transform. And it was that moment when I was like.
1: This is really. Happening. This
0: is really happening, and it's happening today. You know, all this work and the vision that we had um, is coming to fruition. And not just that, but like creating a platform to tell our grandparents' story. And there, especially for Black folks, there's so many people who have that same story who you know leave this earth in relative anonymity. Right. And the fact that we were we created um, an environment so that people can see, like, this is why we're such strong, resilient people. And this is why we do what we do, because we come from good stock and we stand on the shoulders of individuals who made so many sacrifices so that we could have more opportunity.
1: Right. It's it's moments like that where you realize if you, if you, if you don't, you have never realized it before that you come to, you know, the conclusion that like history is a living, breathing thing. Right. So, People's actions in the past, there's real consequences to them. They reverberate into the future. Uh, They're like, you know, earthquake, the seismic waves afterwards. So, you know, people, oh, it won't matter in 50 years what I do now. You know, it matters a whole lot Mm -hmm. what you do. Uh, And the things that you do, because they have an effect not only on your life, but the generations to come. So grandparents didn't get to see a lot of the great things that we've done and that we're doing now. But because of the decisions that they made, 50s and 60s and 70s, 80s into the 90s, we're able to do these things. We're able to even have this conversation. We were able to have that event that night and have the faith to pull something like that off.
0: Right. Because, I mean, literally. It was blind faith, blind faith. And, you know, when we did that original budget, a large portion of the money that we thought we would take in would come from companies. And all of it, you know, with the exception of a few ads, came from individual donors. Um, But having the faith to persevere and just believe, you know, come hella high water, that we're going to make this happen. Um, and the work is not over. It's, 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 far, from it's far from over. Um, so the reason, you know, now that it's over, I, I'm still on a high, I'm still exhausted. We're a week and a day <laughs> away. <laughs> from that event, and I'm still tired. I'm
1: in old man mode. Whenever I sit in a chair, I just fall asleep.
0: Exactly. So, um, you know, talking about feelings now that it's over, I didn't ex- expect it. I expected to be tired, but I did not expect to be this exhausted. Still a week later. Also, I was not prepared for just how emotionally spent I would feel of just sitting, um, and being so focused on our grandparents' story you know for that period of time and i think it reignited some level of grief in me too that i just really missed them um so that part has been really really draining but on the other hand like i am excited about what we're doing right. um and not just on the philanthropy front but as a complete brand as it relates to this podcast and i'm just getting to the point where i'm like anything is possible anything and
1: it's like kevin
0: durant literally anything is possible right so um there's that and being very excited about, you know, growing from a philanthropic perspective, but also growing this podcast and um, highlighting other people's stories, which is really in the same vein, and also getting to the point where we are monetizing in a way that we can support our causes ourselves um, and and funnel that money into what we're passionate about, mainly youth enrichment, young adult job readiness and economic support of families in need, which are the three pillars that we're focused on um, for the HOSA fund. But in the short term, um, we are we started this with the uh, intention of taking the monies raised to uh, have a backpack drive in August, where we serve no less than five 500- hundred children in need, um, by providing backpacks filled with school supplies. Um, and that is still the plan. We are still in our capital campaign for that. There's still, even though, thank God we came out in the black and raised some money, there's still, right. uh, money to be raised. And if it's not money and kind of donations to be obtained. So we have spent the last week sort of debriefing and trying to recuperate, but the work continues. Um, So if it's something that you want to support and you believe in in what we're doing, uh, we welcome that. And you can do so by visiting www.hosafund.org. That's H-O-S-A, as in House on Stephen Avenue, fund.org. At the bottom of each page on that website is a donate button. You can just click there um, and and donate to the cause in any denomination. No amount is too small. Or you can also uh, sponsor a backpack uh, through that link as well. And and submit the exact amount of money that it's going to cost us if we have to go out and buy these bags and fill them. Um, so we'd love to have your support on that, that front. Um, by far, this is one of the hardest things that I've ever done, but I feel proud. I feel proud of what we were able to accomplish. How you feeling?
1: Likewise. I mean, the, the it's not over. Um, August will be here before we know it and you know after we finish that event in August it'll be time to start planning the next gala but I'm excited yeah. um most of the heavy lifting has already been done and if you look at it you know uh, metaphorically you know the hardest part of building a uh like building a house traditionally has been laying the foundation right getting that cornerstone right or pouring the cement for the foundation but once that foundation is laid you just throw the rest of the house up. So, you know, we went through the trial by fire the first time and came out, you know, I wouldn't say unscathed, but we came out, you know, battle, <laughs> battle tested. Bruised, bruised,
0: bruised and battered. Bruised and
1: battered. But we came out and all the systems are in place. We know what to expect uh, the next year. So I'm excited.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we did. We failed to mention that, you know, we gained a partner out of the gala and Reverend Porter. Shout Um, out to
1: Pilgrim Baptist
0: Church. Yeah, shout out to Pilgrim Baptist Church. Uh, Reverend Porter got up there to accept his award and pledged the first hundred backpacks. So one of the lessons that I've learned, you know, through this process is things may not always come in the form or at the time that you want them to. But if you set the stage, um, you will reap the reward. And it may come a little bit later. Or a package differently than what you originally anticipated. But part of being extraordinary on an ordinary day is staying the course, even when it doesn't look like what you want it to look like.
1: You got to stay the course because, you know, sometimes late in the midnight hour,
0: God's going (laughs) to turn it around around, and around (laughs) and around. We're still a bit delirious if you guys haven't figured it out yet. Right. Um, so, yeah, if you if you want to join the cause, uh, please feel free to make a donation. Or if you are local to the tri-state area and want to volunteer or have contacts um, that you think might be beneficial to us, you can, of course, drop us a DM on the December 26th or IG or you can send uh, an email to info at hostafund and we'll get right back to you. We need all the help we can get because all of it. This dynamic duo thing is cool, but um, yeah, it, we need a little bit more manpower this time. We need the <laughs> Avengers, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like for real, we just we need everybody to come from all corners of the map and wow. use their powers to come together.
0: For real, for real. Yeah. And if you listen to this podcast and you committed to a donation but did not give it. It is not too late.
1: It, it is not too late. <laughs> the doors of the church are still open. It's still open. We're sticking to this gospel thing for this episode. <laughs> the doors of the church is, are still open. That altar call is there. Come on down.
0: Yes. Um, and also, just give us feedback on this Uh you know, us sort of talking about what's going on behind the scenes because oh, it's so much more than just dropping episodes on this show, which we managed to do consistently despite uh, things being on fire for this nonprofit. Didn't miss an episode. Nope. Look at that consistency and full effect. So, but yeah, if you like this, if you like our interaction, which is really just a scaled down version of the conversations we have off the mic, uh, let us know, and we'll continue to do these maybe once a month or something. What do you think?
1: We gonna see. <laughs> we'll leave it up to the people.
0: Yeah, we'll see uh what our audience has to say about it. Um but yes, if you are feeling this show, we absolutely cannot grow without you. So please make sure that you share and like and subscribe and all that great stuff and tell your friends about it. Um, we depend heavily on referrals for guests. So if you listen to the show and especially if you're an avid listener, you know you know what we're all about. Please feel free to uh, comment on our IG page or send us a note uh, to recommend guests. We do follow up on every single lead that is provided to us and is how 90% of the people on this show actually have ended up appearing.
1: And, and please know that a recommendation is a recommendation and not a guarantee. True. Um, so just because somebody was recommended and a conversation was had does not necessarily mean that they're going to be a guest.
0: We do follow up on every lead, though. We don't, right. guarantee, we don't guarantee selection, uh, but we do follow up there. There is a brand to protect here. That's for sure.
1: All right. Because if it wasn't, I'd just be on this mic saying any them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> any final words for the people?
1: Um, thank you for your continued support. And if you missed it, I mean, you missed a good time. Recap video and pictures will be out soon. Um, And, you know, we're trying to make this an annual thing. So uh, if you missed out this time, hopefully you'll be there next year.
0: And also, if you just want more of the story, uh, the backstory as to why we did this, and also to see uh, DeMarcus's impeccable documentary filmmaking skills, where'd you post the video?
1: Uh, It's posted on the Host of Funds. Facebook. Uh, Facebook as well as the YouTube page. So if you go, uh, go on YouTube and you type the story behind the Hosted Fund, it'll pop up. If you go on the um, Hosted Fund's Facebook page, it's posted there as well.
0: The House on Stephen Avenue Fund, I think, it'll type out the full name right. on Facebook. But listen, I'm not just saying this because you're my brother. The final product on that that video was pretty brilliant. For sure. If I do say so myself. <laughs> now, I mean, I did storyboard out. I had my ideas. You know, I asked the questions in the interviews, but I am not the person I can execute. For
1: the record, we both came up with them questions for the interviews. Okay,
0: that is true. I, all I, I, right, I'm, I'm, I'm you
1: know. <laughs> I mean, I'll be thinking I don't be doing nothing <laughs> but holding a camera. That's a lie. The devil is a liar. I had someone call me a booker for the podcast, and I just said, whoa, whoa, whoa. First of whoa, all, I have no, the brother. equity stake, brother. I got an equity stake in this podcast. And this, you know, I Delicia is in the forefront. She is definitely the bird man of this cash money operation. But I'm slim in the background handling business. The public just do not see it. They don't see it. Oh,
0: God. Anyway.
1: Whoa, 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 brother. You got too, too much, much dip, dip on, on your, your chip. chip.
0: <laughs> anyway. But yes, that video, um, a Spike Lee, a Spike Singleton production. Spike
1: Singleton, Ike Jackson, holla at me.
0: And uh, RIP, rest in peace to John Singleton as well. Um, But you got the gift, brother we'll see you got Hopefully. the gift see, see where this goes see where this goes for sure um, but yeah that that I think we'll take it on home with that uh, continue to support us we, we thank all of our listeners and we thank the feedback that you provide to us and all you do to keep this show going as I say often if you don't listen we don't have a show um, so we appreciate your support and keep in touch Start talking to us. Talk back. It, it motivates us to keep going. Um, and as always, remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Peace. Thank you for listening to the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delicia. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa, and music was provided by Tovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER.